For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Believe in UCLA Football Podcast. My name is James Williams. I am a co-host for the podcast and a sports editor and reporter for the Orange County Register. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Josh Woods. Josh, what's going on, man? It's crazy because it's finally starting to become what they call rain, Rancouver up here. Okay. Where, you know, the Pacific Northwest is just like starting to rain every day. And that's that's how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> you feeling a little bad? I I I I could tell the the hoodie's a little darker than it than it has been. You got the hood on. It looked a little sad. It looked a little sad. Um, how'd you guys do on Friday? Oh, we won. Okay, but the but the, UC, the but the UCLA uh, game. Yeah, it's it's like I didn't get the full sweep. You know what I'm saying? Like we <laughs> we won on we won on Friday. We clinched a home playoff game. Okay. Then the UCLA game. And then I won fantasy today. So it's like two out of three. You know, it's a decent yeah. weekend, but just everybody that. keeps every, every I keep everybody <laughs> keeps asking me about the game. Yeah. I made a bet. I made a bet. Our quarterback, like I said, Vernon Adams, uh is was an Oregon duck. We have another linebacker that went to Oregon at at practice tomorrow after we're Oregon gear. I had a feeling that was coming. My coach has <laughs> been all the coaches have been asking me how I feel about the game. And I'm just like, honestly. <laughs> like it okay, we lost. But like Oregon played their best, like most perfect game. Mm-hmm. That's true. I think that's the that's the easiest way to say it. It's just that's like they, the way, way they managed it. they played their perfect game and yeah, I like I mean, we're gonna get into it, but to me, it's like, dang. Yeah. So, um, real quick, I saw. I think it was on Instagram. Your, uh, he had the, what do they call it? Care package, or more or less. He had the Oregon, the Oregon swag. And uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, Josh has to wear some Oregon gear. I already knew that was kind of coming. Um, so, are are you gonna? Well, I'm even if you don't share a photo, I'm sure your teammates probably will, right? Yeah, I guess we'll see tomorrow. But I mean, to 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 go to that, yeah, you sell football. Show me some love. <laughs> Show the CFL guys some love. Huh? We might not be in the NFL, but we're you know we're let's still get pro. Some, <laughs> let's get some representation uh, in Canada, huh? Or y'all a, gotta send me. Yeah, a y'all a. had to send me the best stuff 
Just send me the backup stuff. Yeah, right. Something. Um, but yes, I will be some Nike stuff though. Not a not a Adidas or Under Armour. At the very yeah, end. I have I have the Under Armour, but you got all that tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, uh, yeah, I guess I'll be in some some Oregon Ducks green tomorrow. So does how does that kind of work? Does he did he already give it to you? Did like do you have it there to wear? Are you walking out the house with it? Or are you waiting till you get to practice to put it on or whatever they have at the facility when I arrive? <laughs> I guess is what I have to wear. Okay, that's fair. Um, so about the game, <clears throat> I think you make a good point. First of all, I did a Twitter spaces. Uh, earlier today with the fans a little therapy session just kind of talk things through with the folks and and see how everyone was kind of holding up and everyone's doing pretty well they still remain optimistic and um there's the understanding of there's still a lot to play for and they're in a way they still kind of control their own destiny of course you got to continue to win your own games um oregon has uh, uh, still a bit of a tough schedule ahead in some regard they have to play um yeah i think they have like cal and colorado that hope I don't think they're going to have a slip up on, but then they have some in some order, I think Utah, Washington, Utah, and Oregon state to finish out the season. Uh, I think they have Utah and Washington on the road. No, uh, at home. Um, so they got that going for them, but they have Oregon state who's been, that's kind of been pretty solid. I mean, they're probably like the fifth or sixth team in the conference, but they've been pretty solid and can maybe cause a problem for Oregon. And um, so it, it's not a cakewalk for Oregon, um, and there's some opportunities for maybe them to slip up another game or two um, and help alleviate some of what what is now the tiebreaker they have over UCLA. Um, for UCLA, you need to continue to win your games. You can't stumble around and, and, and lose a game you're not supposed to. I've been saying that. Um, it puts a little bit more of a premium. Obviously, it already is in that USC game. Um, so we'll see. Um, but I, I think to your point, I think it was a perfect storm, I guess, pun intended, because it did rain, even though they swear up and down it doesn't rain in Austin Stadium. Um, I don't know if you watched the video that my colleague Miriam Swanson sent. Um, I did. It was a and little it, it was a little informative, but it kind of still I still didn't get it. It just it's, it's just a saying that it's like, just a it's saying. Just, <laughs> it especially means nothing. It did mean nothing because it was raining. And, and the fact that they all had ponchos. They even know it rains in Austin Stadium or they wouldn't have had their ponchos. So I was kind of like, mm, I don't get it. Anyway, shout out to Miriam uh, for coming through with the video and enlightening us on, on, on some of the traditions for Oregon there. But um, again, like you said, I think everything went right for them. Josh, I think for me, the biggest thing was the onside kick, the middle of the second quarter, the stones you have to have if you're Dan Lanning to go for that. And if you're going to look to try and keep the UCLA defense off the field uh, or yeah, I mean, I mean, that's one way to keep them off the field. I mean, you don't, you don't put the ball in their hands. They can't score. Right. Yeah. And one that, that was illegal. What they did. <laughs> they were talking um, about that in the space. Why, why do you think it was illegal? Because the ball has to go 10 yards before you can hit the other team. Um, and they apparently were offsides before the ball was kicked. So that's two penalties. I'm just curious. How many times did you watch it? All I had to see was one picture. Okay. <laughs> I'm just curious. Go ahead. Cause you see the ball, you see two guys blocking them mm -hmm. and where the ball is, the ball did not crest 10 yards. So 
you know how that goes. But it, like I said, it was, it's home cooking. You know, this ain't no conspiracy thing either. Like it's just like that's <laughs> Josh. But, I I kind of I kind of think it went ten yards. But I, I think number you forty. Have you not seen? I no, kinda, have you not seen? Go the ahead. ball is at nine yards, and two guys are already blocking UCLA players. That's okay. Illegal. See the blocking. I was not looking for block. I was making sure it went ten. That, yards. That's what. No, that's what it. No, the ball did go ten yards. Okay. But they initiated contact before ten yards. Okay. You know I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I have to go back so and say, look at that. So then. say the ball's at nine. Yeah. UCLA players were were already getting hit before mm-hmm. the ball crossed ten. Because they have to give UCLA a chance to yes recover or receive the ball, do whatever. There has to be some kind of yes, yes. So the ball did like when they recovered it, it did go ten, mm-hmm. but contact was initiated before the ball crossed ten. That's a penalty. It, yeah, penalty. I was gonna say because it's probably not reviewable, but it probably if they would have seen it, um, I think it was just so bizarre that they are even doing it in the second quarter. Um, I mean, you roll the dice though. I mean, they were both teams were rolling the dice all game, going forward on fourth down. Like, mm-hmm. that's the kind know. of game it was, and that's how they and that's how you know it's kind of like when you have the ball, you need to make the most of those opportunities. Um, just because you don't know how it's going to pan out. We'll talk about field goals in a minute for UCLA, but again, the uh, the onside kick, um, you do that for me, okay, should. I don't know who it was. I think it was number like 46 or something. The ball was kind of like right there for him to get for UCLA. And I don't know if he was just kind of looking at it. He wasn't like. That's that's one of the things that you. Because the kicker recovered the ball. Always. You always. Yeah, because two guys hit our two guys. But at the same time, that's one of the things where like you're always are told about. Like, mm-hmm. OK, if you're the front guys, you're always told to be ready for a dribble. And I guarantee they probably got a few reps of that this season mm-hmm. and it will never I, it will never happen again too that was the one right. time mm-hmm. so i guarantee those guys are never gonna move until the ball is kicked ever again mm-hmm. you know so it's like this is like the one time and it worked okay because at first i thought they got in the onside kick formation or or, or it was apparent but i think the way it looked is maybe it wasn't, or I know, I think, because you have to have it even on each side of the kicker, I think, and then they can kind of swarm over or something. But when you saw it, did you know, or what, or when you're watching it live, is there any indication that obviously wasn't a, a situation where you needed to onside kick it, but can you tell, like, I'm trying to think, like, were the guys, could they have been shocked, frozen, like, what is going on? Could there have been confusion? Or when you're just watching it, do you know, like, what's coming? You can definitely have paralysis by over analysis right because you're trying to like analyze and you're like yeah because like wow this is this is this is actually happening because you usually don't get that to the fourth quarter a minute left you're down by seven you just scored you're trying to like you know tie the game up or something or you're trying to take the lead not not in the second quarter when but that but honestly that's that's the best time to do it it's because yeah you're exactly like i said you're not expecting it Mm mm-hmm and they understood, like, a swing of the game, you don't get it, and you just trust your defense to be out there, then you can take risks, risks like that. Um, and that was a big swing. That and the touchdown to end the second quarter yeah, were the, six biggest, seconds left. the biggest yeah. turning points of the game because if you say get a stop right there, 
I think the game's more manageable. Yeah. But that, that gave them so much momentum. Going into it. And then even just the onside kick, they scored on that drive, I think. They um, scored. Well, they, I think they scored on almost every drive. They only punted. There was only one punt in the whole game. That's what I was saying. Like, it, 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 they just managed the game perfectly. And, like, for all that, we had all these field goals, but they were scoring touchdowns. And, that is that was the difference in the they're score. Playing it was chess, like offense. And they're in and UCLA was playing checkers, to be honest. Yeah. It was just like you gotta defense defense needed stops and they weren't getting stops. And what offense did, needed touchdowns and they weren't finishing. What did you think of <clears throat> so this came up in the spaces and then I'll mention what it is in a minute? But I'm curious on your thoughts on them going for the field goals there. Because they had like three, I think it was what three consecutive drives, I think, or is at least three times I think where they went for field goals. Obviously, it was three to three after the first quarter. Um, and again, so that was a real kind of filling out process, right? And I think maybe each team maybe had one possession in that quarter or something, but if I remember correctly, but um, or I think that was in the third quarter where each one probably had like one possession. But just your thoughts on them, kind of on UCLA going for field goals. Um, I think it was Barmera was like 47 yards, 44 yards, and 33 yard field goal attempts. I mean, in a, in a, any other game, you just need points. But it's like Oregon was scoring. Like both defense, both defenses were bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where like at least Oregon's de- defense, you know, had some grit and kind of you know turn would turn it on when um it was in the red zone or you know those situations they were the bend not break defense that ucla has been called um the last couple weeks where they get kind of pushed down into that red zone area and then they don't but they don't allow opposing offenses to score and it was kind of like ucla was on the other end of that this time um but I, again, I think the biggest thing was the second quarter. Again, you have the the onside kick. They scored 28 points. If you look at the um, UCLA scores 14 points in the fourth quarter um, to Oregon's just seven points in the fourth quarter. Oregon had another touchdown in the third, but only in UCLA, again, kicking a field goal. Um, it was just a 28 to 10 scoring differential there in the second quarter that makes the difference. Um, Josh, the, someone brought up in the spaces, a good buddy JT mentioned, I believe it was JT that the offense traveled well. And uh, can we give credit to the UCLA offense here for the fact that, um, obviously when you're the road team there, uh, the, uh, the home team is going to be loud on when the opposing offense is on the field. So does that show anything or tell you anything about DTR and Charbonnet and the guys on offense? being able to still kind of at least move the ball to some degree? Uh, or is there any the, kind of the positive three, or the three-headed, The three-headed monster did what they were supposed to do, mm-hmm. essentially. Dorian, I mean, Dorian, I guess you go on Dorian to be a little bit better, not throw interception, but mm-hmm. like and that was a diff- 39 is not bad. That was a difference. In, like he, that was a difference in turnovers. Yeah. The one interception, they don't have any turnovers uh, on Oregon's side, so. Yeah, but Charbonnet still ran for 151 in touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um Bobo had a hundred in a touchdown. Yep. 
it just had to finish. And that's what Oregon was able to do. Bo Nix was very efficient. Five touchdowns, 22 for 28. But, I mean, it's the it's the rushing where, like, those or touchdowns Oregon. weren't, weren't. A lot, a lot, and a lot of those, um, a lot of Bo Nix's passing touchdowns were, I wouldn't say trickery, but they were, they were scheme beaters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fake screen and go, you know, uh, they had one, somebody leaked the running back, uh, wheels it. So your, your crow to flat player was supposed to carry that and, and let it keep going. He's wide open. The certain things were, you know, they were just running plays to beat the schemes that we were in. And unfortunately they hit all of them this game. But to me, the biggest disappointment is you saw this rush defense giving up 262 yards, almost two running backs having over 100 yards, and Irving with 107, Whittingham with 73. And I feel like we they maybe they listened to the podcast because we disrespected them and we said, we don't even know who the running back is. No, no, no. I, did, I didn't I say – I mean, it was three guys. They didn't have – they don't have a main – they don't have a featured back. But like, I, but like we had talked about, though, they all get do yeah. good. And yeah. they did exactly that. And like I said, I wasn't really worried about Bo Nix that much throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Like he was efficient, but like think about it, like 283 yards is not that like it wasn't like they were aerating us out. They yeah. were honestly it was a I mean having 262 rushing yards is that's that's one of those is that that's a red flag. Like, is that automatic might, red flag? That's like the first thing coach is talking about the next day. Yeah, they're preaching run defense all week. Like I, I I remember my I remember my freshman year. Mm-hmm. I think we gave up like it might have been like two eighty or something versus Arizona. And I remember we were doing like live tackling at practice. Damn. Like during scout periods to the ground. We like were doing four. tackling like tackle drills, like tackling drills like to the ground during individual, like Damn. This yeah. was with Mora or was, with Chip. This is what Mora. This okay. is what Mora. Mm-hmm. I've never, yeah, we never did live like we were barely did live tackling in camp with with yeah. Chip, but but Mora, we were doing live tackling during the season. When you give that type of rushing and like mm-hmm. missed tackles, yeah, it was it it was bad because it'd be Scott running backs and they'd get tackled by the D linemen and linebackers have to get up, keep running, then all the DBs are Damn. teeing off and tackling them to the ground again. <laughs> get up, keep running. So they had to pay for it. Yeah, essentially they, they were the ones that, that got punished. <laughs> um speaking of tackling, I I noticed that um, maybe other people um, maybe you did. I was glad someone else in the space did too. You can't remember who it was who brought up this point. Um and Mo I was going, we'll, we'll get to Moasling in a second. But it did it you tell me if you saw where they were just standing around waiting for ball carriers to run to them. Mind you, this one of the best offensive lines in the country mm-hmm. only allowed one sack through seven games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we we talked about that before too with with Coach Clem, just you know, one of the best coaches I've ever seen in college football when it comes to offensive linemen, how efficient they are. Um, and they they did what we kind of were worried about moving guys around. Is that times where like the running backs? We're untouched for the first, you know. That's what I'm saying. Seven, 
like they're they were waiting for the set. ball the ball carry they're waiting for the ball carry to come to them instead of attacking or coming downhill yeah, i was at looking the, at at, at, the, at times the they're running you know uh center tackle pool gt counters and it was like our linebackers couldn't get over blocks mm-hmm. and we just we would be outnumbered to the side and it just seems like yeah like their o line had so much push and they were just creating walls that like the running backs were almost getting free run to the the third level like past the linebackers like untouched past the linebackers mm-hmm. to the third level like and on like, third and 9 oh no problem we'll run the ball and they got a first that, down. They yeah, had 20 first downs in the first half, I believe. I think they finished with 30 first downs altogether, if I'm not mistaken. And, like, I'm proud of Mo because 17 tackles is insane. Mm-hmm. But I have it's something like, on Mo here in a He should have never had to have been in a position to make that many tackles. Here, here let me let me read Mo real quick. And I read this on Spaces, and this comes from uh, Mo. So this comes from, like, the Pac-12 notes or whatever because he was a uh, – Defensive player of the week nominee. So it says Mo Osling tied his career high for tackles for a game in the first half with 12 against Oregon. He had 12 in the entire 2020 game against USC, which was his previous best. He finished the game on Sunday with a career high, new career best of 17 tackles. His 17 tackles was the most by a Bruin defender since linebacker Jayon Brown who was credited with 18 tackles in 2015 against Colorado. So Mo had 12 of his tackles in the first half, and he set his career best in the first half. Is that nuts? But like we just said, the ball was getting straight to the third level, not mm-hmm. just the second level. <laughs> yeah. Like, where were times where our linebackers had no chance of even getting a hand on the running back? Mm-hmm. And these running backs were just able to just have a field day. You know what I'm saying? So... Yeah, I don't. I like at times it looked like the, it. I mean, there was like I seen the chip set. It was breakdowns at all three levels. <clears throat> um, there was times where the corners looked like they, you know, couldn't get anybody. You know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that uh, the front the linebackers. It it just they struggled. Like DCA's defense struggled on all three, all three phases. So. Josh, they for the explosive plays. So how the stat that I have here that was that I kind of picked up um listening to Sirius XM was okay, they accounted for explosive plays as runs of 10 yards or more and pass plays of 15 yards or more. And Oregon had 19 compared to UCLA's nine. Me looking at the stats. And that that was the thing nine, that, nine, that was hurting. Nine different players had explosive plays, and almost ten. If receiver had a long of, or receiver tight had a long of fourteen, but oh, yeah. but nine different different players had explosive plays on Oregon's offense, or like, and some of them it was their only possession. The guy who had fourteen, Patrick Herbert, that's actually Justin Herbert's younger brother, um, had oh, wow. one was one yard off from explosive play. As you mentioned, that was the only reception of the game. Terrence Ferguson had two uh, for 15. One of them was for 15 yards. One was for 17 yards. He only had 15 or. Must have work? been a screen or must something. Have, yeah. yeah, must have screen, lost, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then um, again, that Troy Franklin, Um, I can't click on it here, I, but I think he might be like an underclassman. And 
and he was a problem. He was a name I heard of going in. So I'm sure UCLA was aware of this Franklin fella, but he introduced himself to, to UCLA. Sophomore 6'3 out of East Palo Alto, California. Yeah. So guy left the state. That's not good. Um. So, yeah. So they did their thing. It gave me flashbacks to just when I, because I remember that was a thing, explosive plays when it, the LSU game, obviously they won the LSU game, but the Fresno State game. Uh, just some of those games early on last season, like that was what was hurting UCLA was the explosive plays. And they looked like they were starting to get past some of that a little bit, um, especially against a team like Washington. I don't remember off the top of my head what the explosive plays were against Washington, but if Washington has a top offense and has three receivers and whatnot, and you kind of limit them to to not doing a whole lot, um, just off the top of my head, you know, I mean – you think there'd be something more, but when any any anyone who had the ball go their way, it turned into an explosive play, and that's that's kind of the difference there in the game. Uh, for you, when when you you're coming off of a loss like this, obviously they they went six and zero. Um, does it one? What is your mindset going into this week against Stanford? Um, we'll break down Stanford maybe later this week or get more into that game. But like, what is your mindset coming off of this loss? And then what is, um, is there any weight that you think that kind of comes off of them n- now that you're not playing to stay undefeated? I mean, obviously you still want to win the rest of your games, but like just everything that comes with that undefeated hype. I think this has got to be a statement game. Um, whenever a team kind of exposes you or it looks like they, they have a strategy that that will beat you. It's it's a copycat league, meaning whatever worked for another team against you, best believe Stanford is going to try to do the same thing. We can look to see they're probably going to have these counters, powers, you know, different things like that schemed up because it's like, oh, they couldn't stop this. All right, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? And I I remember when when that that happened to us, uh, twenty twenty seventeen. Yeah, 2017, when Texas A&M was running that GT counter, mm-hmm. teams were running, <laughs> teams were running, teams were running GT counter like the whole, like the whole season. They would test us with a GT counter. Like, you didn't even see it until on the we could... film. You didn't see it on the film the whole week, and then all of a sudden they're running the same stuff. Yeah, like they wouldn't run it for some of us, but us. <laughs> oh, they're coming with it. Uh, 2018, Memphis, Memphis was running. Uh, was that 2017? 20? 2018, they were running screens. Memphis was running screens, and we and and it was it was the game where I was suspended for the first half. Mm-hmm. Kenny Young wasn't playing either, so this is like Chris Barnes and Lil Kenny's first start, <laughs> and they're just getting hit with screens like Daryl Henderson screen, mm-hmm. uh, Tony Pollard screen, and these are guys. Oh Gibson. damn, they have both these, these guys. All, yeah, these guys they're all running screens to them, and they couldn't they couldn't stop it. Yeah. So then, like going forward, is like people kept trying to hit us with screens all year, like. <laughs> So I'm saying, so whatever, whatever Oregon was doing, mm-hmm. best believe Stanford's going to do it. Best believe Arizona State, Arizona, USC is going to look at it. So that's why you need to have a statement game this week. Of if they try to do anything in the run game, like last week, that you stop it. So you nip in the butt now of, yeah, that's not going to work anymore. That was a one-time thing. So this needs to be a statement game, you know, get back to, it's one loss, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Which unfortunately in college football, one loss like I wouldn't say derails a season, but 
the way the politics of college football is like one one loss is it's almost like boxing where like one loss could like the whole narrative changes yeah and it's like it's just you know it this isn't like uh this isn't like basketball and this isn't like ufc where like you can lose a fight but as long as you have a chance to you know you can win Mm -hmm. in a few next few games and win a championship and everyone like won't worry about a loss no this is like one loss can be pecto championship or not you know what i'm saying or like for anybody except teams in SEC, it could be playoffs or not. Right. One loss. So I think they need to, you know, have a dominant win and then just move forward with the rest of the season, like putting that putting that behind them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like let's just go undefeated the rest of the season and then try to play Oregon again in the Pac-12 championship and then let them know that was a that was a fluke. I think that's what you need, like to like there's still a small chance at the college football playoff. Um one, I think just because the Pac-12 appears a little bit more respect, is getting more respect this year. Again, you still have tw- um, like four teams, I think, in the top 15 or 16, maybe. Um, you had the Oregon-UCLA game, and UCLA only goes from 9 to 12, which isn't necessarily bad. Um, and I think that goes to show the respect that they have for Oregon, but also for, well, just for mainly, I guess, for the re- respect for UCLA um, by not dropping them too far off because normally like last year i just think you know if you're ranked you lose a game you dang near fall out of the rankings um so you know they're they're still like a top high 15 team which i think is still notable i mean again just for positioning stuff i think the college football playoff rankings come out like november 1st so we'll get a real good idea of where they stack up that way but um i think you know it's still a good sign to see that obviously you wanted to go undefeated and kind of be in charge of your own destiny but um, they are more or less able to afford a loss in a way here. And again, like I mentioned on Twitter spaces, I think you would rather have the loss come against a respectable team, a team now that you have the opportunity to see again, because you can see them in the college football playoff and avenge that loss and show when ideally when both teams should be at their peak as far as potential or, or just where you're at the season, which you've been working towards um, a chance to avenge that loss and show that, Hey, like, you know, just at the very least erase that loss you have and call it even. Um, so I think that's that's the the key to any sort of college football playoff potential is ideally a matchup with Oregon um in the in the Pac-12 championship game. And again, I just think you need um you need to win all your games and you can't slip up. You can't slip up against Stanford. I don't I don't know if I necessarily want to call Stanford hot, but they have won their last two games, including Notre Dame and in the Arizona state, uh, I think it's a combined like five points that have made up the difference of the last three, win- uh, three games. They lost a close one to, uh, was that Washington state? I believe can't remember who uh, Stanford lost to prior to the Notre Dame game, but it's like five points made up the difference between the three games combined. Um, I think it was a one point game in like the one of the wins and one of the losses, and like two points in one of the other games there. So, um, you know, I I think uh, you can't look past, especially David Shaw, um, who's good friends with Chip Kelly. They they kind of you know are, are buddy buddies and stuff. So um, I'm sure they'll two, have yeah two two of the smartest guys mm-hmm. in college football. And I think, that, but too that when you were saying like copycat league, like they're gonna look at the tape and say, okay, this is what worked against UCLA. We're gonna try this. If anyone like. Uh, David Shaw is smart enough to know that and is going to try and attempt to do some of those things, right? Like they're not going to go too far away from what they do best or what works for them. But at the same time, if there's, there's something they can see and exploit, 
Um, I'm sure they may have the opportunity to do so. Um, um, I'm trying to think, uh, was there anything else or what other kind of takeaways um, come to mind for you? I have some stats on UCLA against ranked opponents, but just in general, as we kind of get ready to wrap things up here, uh, we have a couple minutes left. Any other kind of takeaways or anything stand out while you're watching the UCLA Oregon game? Or do you do you feel like there were some missed opportunities maybe? I mean, I think we hit on pretty much everything though. Mm-hmm. It's just defense, you know, needed stops and offense needed just to finish more. I'm saying like if it was any other team and, you know, not often, uh, not Oregon's offense, you know, 30 points might've got the win or these field goals might've got the win. I'm proud of, proud of uh, Nick Barmira for yeah, holding you know, it down. Being, three, being three of three in the raining conditions, long of 47, mm-hmm. you know, with some misses earlier on in the year. So that, I mean, that's big. And then uh, no punting is, is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. It is kind of crazy real quick. You mentioned the the defense and the fact that they were getting to the third level, the top three, tacklers for UCLA were all defensive backs. Eight tackles for seven Blaylocks, eight for John Humphreys, um, or John Humphrey. Um, and then you get to Darius who had eight. So it's like and then you had some tackles for a loss, no sacks. Um Darius with the pass breakup. Latu had a one QB hurry. It just kind of it's and it kind of falls off quick too in terms of tackles. Um, I'm I'm saying like, I mean that the Oregon didn't have any sacks either. Yeah, did they not? Okay, so I'm saying so it's like that their defense, their defense wasn't you know amazing either. It's just yeah. they 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 prevented touchdowns, which ultimately was the difference in the game. The mm-hmm. onside kick, this that that second uh, that touchdown to end the the first half. Mm-hmm. And then uh, touchdowns instead of field goals. That was the difference in the game. Um, I, I think, too, again, going back to like UCLA's offense traveling well, another point that I should have mentioned earlier was was the fact that um, UCLA or Oregon has that tradition for home games where they do the shout. They they play that, sing that song shout and they all dance and get low and stuff. Like when I started playing in the fourth quarter and UCLA had the ball, I was like, this crowd is about to be loud and it's gonna this drive might be ugly. But UCLA actually held their own and scored on that drive, I think. Um, so I I, you know, I'm like, you know, they got loud, the stadium was shaking, and UCLA still Doran and them were still able to kind of to do enough to to kind of, you know, weather that a little bit. So again, I think there was some positive from that. Um, what did you think of uh of, of Keegan Jones as a ghost turtle? Did you see that one? The ghost hurdle. You didn't see that. He had think, he had the ball. He tried hurdle. to he tried to do a Dorian hurdle, thinking someone was gonna tackle him. But the, the a UCLA guy was like blocking the only guy there, and he did this hurdle. I mean, it's not like he was he got a first down, so it's not like he was necessarily. It's not like he dove for the. First, he tried to do a Dorian. He did a Dorian hurdle, but there was like nobody there. Um, I'll have to find. I've seen that right. happen before though, or people like, or people try to hurdle and nobody even like. No one was even for their legs. Yeah. So yeah. then, like everybody, like the defense are like we have one of those in our game. Quarterback tried to hurdle, and our corner was standing straight up. So they just yeah. him in the air and threw him down. It's like, like, who? What are you doing? <laughs> They're just in the game. They're just in the zone or something. But 
Yeah, I saw that. That that was kind of a thing going around. Is it might have even? I wouldn't be surprised if it showed up on her. Uh, not shocked in the full. What is it? Uh, come on, man. They used to do that segment on a uh, ESPN, I think, for Monday night. Oh yeah, games. one of those or one of those not mm-hmm. top tens, right? Not top tens and stuff like that. But uh, you know, they did their thing. We'll see how they bounce back. Um, um, just reading off some stats here. UCLA is now. They've now lost 13 straight games as a program against top 10 teams. They are now one and four against top 25 teams on the road with Chip Kelly. Um, they're five and nine overall against ranked teams under Chip Kelly. And some people wanted Chip Kelly escorted out of the building during halftime. Some the fans just that quick were 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 back on the negative. Like I said, like the Dan Lenning just managed that game better, and that's is what it is. Like they had their best game. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't think they could do that every week. Yeah, like you, it's you one of those. It, it was the biggest game of the year for both teams up to that point. I mean, I guess maybe the Georgia game for Oregon, but um, at this point in the season, the biggest game, and you had to play your uh, the best game you possibly could have in order to win it. And Oregon was able to do it, and UCLA wasn't. So. So that's, I mean, that's kind of it for me. Um, is there anything that you think I should be looking out for? I'm headed out to practice in the morning. Um, any, I don't, I don't think there was like any major injuries or anything like that. Is there anything you you want me to keep an eye out for? Anything? Uh, that's all I was thinking. I was like, I don't think there was any. I didn't notice any injuries. No injuries. Or no, no. It was kind of a clean game for both. I don't think anyone. So injured. you might want to see if they're doing tackling drills. Hmm. Other than that, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think this game's gonna, it doesn't define, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's gonna be, I think they're gonna continue having the attitude and drive they've been having all year. Um, and it's gonna be another work week. It could be, this could be the game, much like the what Georgia, the Georgia game was for Oregon, right? Where it just kind of helps you take you to whatever, uh, whatever level kind of wakes you up, humbles you a little bit, and gets you just kind of going, right? Because one, I think they have a schedule that works in their favor. UCLA does. Um, but again, I'd rather have a loss now if I'm a UCLA fan against a team like Oregon, like I said, instead of, you know, you need to beat Cal. You're coming off a big win over yeah, USC. 100%. You're playing Cal. You maybe try to coast it a little bit because it's the season finale. And you know this is what you need to to increase Which your playoff. I'll, and then you fumble the bag. Real UCLA and, fans know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The past decade, UCLA fans know that last game has messed up a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so I think if you take it, you could take your loss here, and and may, hopefully that's uh, what it takes to wake you up, get you, get you motivated to play the rest of the season, and and you guys can learn some things. And I think that that's good because, in a way, if you're just undefeated, undefeated, you just there's nothing but good stuff to really kind of look at. Everyone just tells you how great you are. Um, if you can lose a game where it doesn't necessarily, obviously you you don't want to have be on the wrong side of a tiebreaker with Oregon, but if you have an opportunity where you can kind of still hold your own. Um, regardless of the loss, I think it's not terrible. Um, so with that being said, Josh, we'll get on out of here. Um, we'll talk to you later in the week, and uh, hopefully, all you guys have a good one. Make sure you guys follow the podcast and leave a good comment, rating, review. We would appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for the support. Thank you guys.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.